Proverbs 4. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Let me pray and we'll dig into the word together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've loved us enough to speak to us through your word. How lost we would be without your revelation, your word to guide us. Open our hearts today, Lord. We admit that we are hard-hearted and we so often don't listen well to you. Help us hear from you today. Through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Nick Simmons from Boise is one of our great Olympic hopefuls this year. He won the Olympic trials in the 800 meters, and uh, he's a great hope for the Olympics. But I recall a race that he ran when he was in junior high. He ran against my son, Jeremy. And uh, they were on a cross-country race, and they went off back out of sight, and then suddenly they burst into view and they were far ahead of the rest of the crowd. They were sprinting around this last half-mile loop, and we were watching and cheering them on as they came around, neck and neck, battling all the way, until right at the end, Jeremy was able to barely beat him to the finish line. It was a great race, except they both got disqualified. (laughs) You see, back there, somewhere on the course, they'd taken the wrong path gone off course, run their own, ran their own way, and so a few minutes later, here came the next guy, and he'd stayed on the right course, and though he was far slower, he won the race. He was the winner. You see, in life, as in a cross-country race, <laughs> it's not how fast you go, or even how far you get, necessarily, But the real question is, are you on the right path? That's the message of the Father to the Son in our passage today. And it's a challenge to us this morning. Are we on the right path? The Father teaches us and His Son some key characteristics of the two paths that we have a choice to walk on so that we, in the end, can experience the abundant life we all want by walking on the path of life. He shows us that there's really only two paths. Sometimes we think there's more, but really in the scriptures it reflects that there's only really two possible paths to go on. 
and only one leads to life. Jesus confirmed this in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said this, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few that find it. That's a very sobering passage, isn't it? Because it suggests that very, very few, well, it states, very few find the path to life. And because of Jesus' audience, it's clear that even religious people can take the wrong path. Even people who seem to be following the Lord can take the wrong path. So we need help to make sure that we are on the right path, that we stay on the right path, the path that leads to life. So as we look at this passage, I want you to ask yourself as we go through it, which path am I on? Which path am I on? He begins this way in verse 10 of chapter 4. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Hear, my son, and accept or receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. Verse 13, take hold of instruction, do not let go, guard her, for she is your life. Both verse 10 and verse 13 describe this path as a path of life. You see, we want to describe first the path of life. A little further down, it's described as the path of righteousness in verse 18. So, he says it's a path of life, it's a path that leads to life. But the question is, what is life? What's he talking about? What's the path that leads to life? We need to understand that so we can understand what he's saying here. Now, in verse 10, it suggests that life is length of days. It's living a long time. Well, in the Old Testament mindset, that's part of it. But as we all know, you can know Jesus well and still not live a long life. So is that all he's talking about? Well, no. As you look through Proverbs, you see that life in Proverbs is abundant life, the kind of life we all long for. It isn't necessarily length of days, but it's quality of life. Just look back with me in Proverbs chapter 3, one one, uh, chapter back, beginning in verse 21, and listen to what the Father says about that life. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Now, if you look at these verses, notice what he says about life. He says, for example, that it's a life of beauty, where it's an adornment around your neck, where it's an attractive life that people want to be like you, because there's beauty to your life, there's attractiveness. It's a life of contentment, a life of security, he says. You'll walk in your way securely. Your foot will not stumble. It's a life of peace and joy and sweetness. When you lie down, you'll have a sense of sweetness, he says. You will not be afraid. Now, isn't he describing for us the kind of life we all want? Security, joy, sweetness, contentment. Over in chapter 8... He describes, verse 35, 
he describes life this way. For he who finds me, finds wisdom, finds life. And then he defines it and obtains favor from the Lord. So ultimately, the path of life is one where you are standing in God's favor, where you are in right relationship with him. Throughout Proverbs, throughout the scriptures, that's a picture of what life is really all about. It's being in right relationship with him. And when we are, then we experience sweetness, beauty, security, no fear, peace. The things that, if we're honest, we all really want. So the father's teaching the son about this path of life. And he says, hey, this is the path that I want you to be on, son. It's a path that brings beauty and joy no matter what your circumstances. As Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4, I've learned the secret of being content, whether I'm hungry or whether I'm filled, whether I'm naked or whether I'm clothed, no matter what my circumstance, I've learned the secret because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's that right relationship with him that is life. To us. It's being in right relationship with Him. A number of you were at the Guatemala vision meeting a week ago, Sunday night. And I was struck as I listened to them describe what touched their hearts the most. And there was a recurring theme. And that is as they spent time with the Guatemala believers there, they were amazed at what they experienced and what they saw. Here are people that have very little materially. They, they have very few of the things that we depend on every day. And yet, as they looked at their lives, they had a greater joy, a greater uh, thankfulness about their lives than we tend to ever express. An incredible sense of unconditional love that our people experienced as they went and they were embraced and loved, even though the Guatemalans didn't even know them personally, and yet they loved them and embraced them. And I think what they were touched by was that these Guatemalans are on the path of life. They experience life, that closeness to the Lord that gives you contentment no matter what your circumstances. That's what we long for. So what can we learn from this passage about the path of life? Well, first of all, we see that the path of life is found by guidance. Notice verse 11. The Father says, I've directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. Father says, here, son, is how you find the path. You listen to my words. You follow my leadership. You see, we find the right path by listening to our mentors, to our parents, to those who are godly men and women in our lives that have gone before us. We need someone else to tell us how to find the path of life. I don't know how many times that I've been out hiking. I like to backpack. I like to hike. How many times that it looked to me like the right path to get where I wanted to go was this one, and yet my map or the sign post said, no, you need to go this way. You see, we cannot see clearly where the path leads. We can only see the first few steps. And so often, if we depend on our own reasoning and our own thinking, we will end up on the wrong path. And what the Father's telling the Son is, Son, 
You are not going to find the path by figuring it out yourself. You are not going to find it by trial and error. You'll get into trouble, son. You'll only find it by listening to God, by following what he says, by doing what he says. Let me give you another example. I was, we were backpacking one day, and, and there was a group of us, and we had backpacked on this particular trail a number of times. So we knew where to go, and we left the cars, and instead of going to the trailhead, we said, let's just head across country, and we'll match up to the trail. Well, there was a problem. It was a very foggy day. So we really couldn't see the lay of the land, and so we hiked, and we hiked, and we hiked, and we thought, something's wrong here. Um, we're not finding the trail. We kept going and going and going, and, and all of a sudden we started feeling like something's not right. We can't find it. We're lost. And the clouds separated at that point, and we looked and we realized we were headed in exactly the wrong direction, the opposite direction of what we thought. You see, what seemed right to us was wrong. And that's the case, and that's why the Father says, Son, you're only going to find it by listening to your mentors, by listening to your parents, by listening to the Scriptures, by listening to those godly people who have gone before you. Listen to the Lord. You can only find it by guidance. Secondly, he says, I think in verse 11, that the path is a well-worn path. It's narrow, not many find it, but there are people who have gone ahead of you, so you can trust in that. At the end of verse 11, he says, I have led you in upright paths. That word for paths, I pointed out in another passage in Proverbs a couple of weeks ago, that word for paths is literally wagon ruts. In other words, there's a trail that's well-worn here. And so the father's telling the son, it's a path of ruts. I've gone before you. I'm leading you on that path, son. Follow my direction and look for people that are a little farther on the path ahead of you and follow them. That's a great encouragement to all of us. We need to look for mentors that are a little further on the path of following the Lord. Because sometimes it gets really hard and really confusing. But he says the path of life, there are ruts to follow, there are people who have gone before you, so look for them. I like cross-country skiing. And I've found that when I'm breaking trail, it's hard. But when someone's gone before me and already broken the trail through the new snow, then it's much easier because I just follow in their tracks. And the father's saying, don't try to break a new trail, son. So much harder. Follow those who have gone before you. Third, he says about this path of life is that it leads to increasing freedom. Verse 12, listen to this. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. If you run, you will not stumble. The path of life leads to increasing freedom to be able to run through life. See, the world says something totally the opposite, doesn't it? The world says, oh, following God? That's restrictive. Oh, there's so many rules and regulations and, you know, there's no freedom there. All that does is constrict your life. If you want real freedom in your life, you've got to throw God out and go your own way. But what the Father's teaching the Son is exactly the opposite is true. The world is foolish and does not know. 
He says, actually, if you get on the path to life, what you find is there aren't so many rocks and turns and dips and obstacles and wild animals out to get you. In fact, the Lord protects you and there's security and there's no fear so you're not afraid and looking around and wondering who's going to get you and who's going to take away your money and who's going to take away the things you depend on. You see, on the path of life, you're free because you're trusting that the Lord is guiding you and taking care of you. So it's an unimpeded trail. In fact, it's a trail you can run on. The other trail leads to stumbling, to tottering, to losing your balance, to not being able to keep going, either because of obstacles on the trail or because of your own weakness. But the path of life brings greater strength, greater freedom from sin, greater freedom from selfishness, greater freedom from death, from addictions, from being controlled by your own feelings or being controlled by other people, greater freedom. Like my friend who came to me and, and he had decided he was going to go his own way. He was frustrated with life and he decided he deserved more happiness, so he started walking another direction. And he came to me six months later and his life was completely falling apart and he was feeling more and more enslaved and squeezed. His life was being impeded. He was stumbling and tottering and weak and broken. And so we talked about getting back on the right path, the path of life. It's hard, but if you repent, God's grace is great and he can help you get back on the right path. The path of life is one that's unimpeded. It's one you can run on because you're not always having to look at where your feet are landing. But that doesn't mean it's an easy path, does it? Following the Lord is a path that can be difficult. It may be really steep. It may have a lot of turns to it. You can only see a little ways in front of you. And so it may be difficult, but it's secure knowing you're on the right path. There's no fear of being tripped up or attacked. There's a deeper joy and confidence in life if you know you're trusting God and walking with Him, even though it's hard. A week ago, the white... White House press secretary, who had been press secretary for a while, Tony Snow, died. He had fought cancer for several years. But I don't know how many of you knew that he was a strong believer in Jesus Christ. And here's some of his words as he walked that path with God. God relishes surprise. We want lives of simple, predictable ease smooth, even trails as far as the eye can see. But God likes to go (laughs) off-road. He provokes us with twists and turns. He places us in predicaments that seem to defy our endurance and comprehension, and yet don't. By his love and grace, we persevere. The challenges that make our hearts leap and stomachs churn invariably strengthen our faith and grant measures of wisdom and joy we would not experience otherwise. And he describes that for him, fighting this cancer is like entering the valley of the shadow of death. The moment you enter the valley of the shadow of death, things change. You discover that Christianity is not something doughy, passive, pious, and soft. Faith may be the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, but it also draws you into a world shorn of fearful caution, 
The life of belief teems with thrills, boldness, danger, shocks, reversals, triumphs, and epiphanies. That's the path of life. It's exciting. It's fulfilling. It's adventurous. It's a life of trust. And also, as we see in this passage, the path of life takes perseverance, as Tony Snow showed us. Verse 13, Take hold of instruction, says the Father. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Notice all the exhortations. Take hold. Don't let go. Guard her. She's your life, son. It takes that holding on, that perseverance to stay on the path of life because life gets confusing. It gets hard. It gets painful. And your feet get tired. And there are times because you feel battered that you just want to quit and get on the other path. But it's a reminder here, the Father's reminding us and His Son, that it's a marathon, that it takes perseverance, that we need to hold on. Don't quit, and God will give you what you need to persevere. Some of you, a few of you, know Wendell Grout, Claudia Melhoff's father, who's been a pastor for many years. He was here a while back. He's in his 80s, still teaching the Word, still doing conferences, still pastoring. And I said to him, Wendell, what what can I pray for you about? And he teared up and he said, just pray that I'll finish well. Pray that I'll finish well. I'll tell you, that's a man who's in a trail that I want to follow. I want to finish well. I want to stay on that path. I want to persevere. So that's the path of life. It's a path that begins and ends and every step of the way is centered on a relationship with the Lord. It's depending on Him. It's walking with Him. Life is being in right relationship with Him and then everything else begins to fall into place. But how about the other path? Now the Father goes on in the next few verses to describe the path of wickedness, he calls it, the path of the wicked. Verse verse, verse 14. He tells his son, Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. So the father calls this other path, the other possibility, the path of the wicked. Now in our modern ears, we hear that and we go, Oh, the path of the wicked. Those are the guys that are in jail. Those are the criminal types that do really bad things. Thank God I'm not one of those. (laughs) That's what we think. But if we begin to study the scriptures, and I spent some time digging through and asking, what, though, is the author of Proverbs and throughout the Old Testament, what is he thinking when he says the way of the wicked, the path of the wicked? And there's a lot of places we could look, but turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 10. Because I think Psalm 10 is a wonderful description for us of what the Father is thinking about when he says, Son, do not go on the path of the wicked. The same name, the same word, the wicked, is used over and over in Psalm 10. And listen to verse 4. The wicked, in the haughtiness of his countenance, does not seek him, does not seek God. All his thoughts are, 
There is no God. You see, when you're talking about this other path, the path of the wicked, it's really a path of someone who says, I am choosing to live as though God doesn't exist. I am going to live my life as though God really is not involved in my life, that he really doesn't care, that he's not really part of my life. I can't not trust him. In his heart, he thinks, lives, and acts as though God does not exist. And I want you to know what he's describing here is someone who may be very religious and may be very involved in a church and may go to Bible studies. But he's talking about people who in their hearts say, no, I will live independently of God. I will take care of my own life because I will not trust God. Remember what Jesus said about those, he says, who many who did miracles and all kinds of things, Matthew 7, and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Wait, we did miracles in your name. Yes, but I never knew you. You see, the idea of the wicked is someone who lives their life as what might be called a practical atheist. May talk about God, may go to church, but they're a practical atheist, practically in their life, in the way they handle their money, in the way they handle their time, in the, what they actually depend on for security in their life. They're a practical atheist. They live practically as though God does not exist. And here's a great challenge for all of us. If God were taking that out of your life, would you live any differently? Would it really make any difference? Or, if God were taken out of your life, would your entire world fall apart? If so, then you are on the path of life. A path of depending on the Lord, a path of trusting Him in a way that if He gets taken out, your life will completely fall apart. The path of the wicked is someone who lives as though God really doesn't influence my life. 
Back to uh, Psalm 10 again. There's some more verses I want to look at here. Look at verse 11 where he says, He, a wicked, says to himself, God has forgotten. He's hidden his face. He'll never see it. Verse 13, Why has the wicked spurned God? He has said to himself, You will not require it. Or in the NIV, You will not hold me accountable. You see, that's the essence of life apart from God. That's the essence of what the scriptures call the wicked. It isn't so much that they do bad actions, though that can result, obviously, but it's that in their heart, they say, you know what? God's not going to hold me accountable. He doesn't even see. He doesn't care what I do, so I will take life in my own hands. Are you getting a picture now of the two paths? One path is walking in dependence on God, trusting Him. The other is saying, I may be religious, I may not, whatever, but I will live life apart from you, not depending on you. That's the essence in the Scriptures of what a wicked person is. Now in the end, the result, if you keep walking apart from God, eventually you do do bad things, you do harm to other people. That's clear in Psalm 10. It's clear even in this passage that when you walk that path, you eventually do harm to others. That's true. But the essence is where you begin. A a man I know decided that it was time to be happy. So he chose to begin an affair. And he thought, it'll be fine. No one will know. I'll hide it from my wife. I'll hide it, etc., etc. But eventually, going down that path ended in the destruction of his marriage alienation from his kids, an unhappy life in his own life. And it began simply by saying, you know what, I don't believe God's way is best. I think my way is best. I will go my own way. He stepped onto the path of the wicked and it destroyed his life. So what does this passage teach us about the path of the wicked? Well, obviously one of the things we've already seen is that the path of the wicked begins by rejecting God as Lord, by saying, I want to run my own life. I will not trust you with all that I am, living as though he doesn't exist. Secondly, we see in this passage that the path of the wicked is addictive. Verse 14 and 15, the father says to the son, don't enter the path of life, son. Don't proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Don't pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. Notice all those exhortations. The father's saying, man, stay off it, son. Don't even look at it. Don't even take one step on that path because if you do, you'll get caught. It's addictive. And that's what Paul said in Romans. We studied that not long ago. Romans 6, where it says that if you yield to sin, it will enslave you. It will ensnare you. It begins to take over your life. Once you step onto that path, it's very hard and very painful to try to get back on the path of life. As some of the statistics have shown, methamphetamine is highly, highly addictive. People think, I'll just try it once. But 95 to 98% of the people who try it end up addicted to it. Well, sin's even more addictive. (laughs) It ensnares you and it takes your life. And you can't just say, well... I'm just going to indulge this time. It has consequences. It begins to enslave you. It gets you stuck. It's like 
Getting on the path is like, I don't know how many of you have been on a cattle drive or seen cattle being driven into a chute. And you get into the chute and it gets narrower, narrower and narrower and the cattle can't turn around. They're stuck. They cannot get out of it. That's the addictive nature of getting on the path of wickedness, of saying, I'm going to go my own way. I've had it with trusting God. Some of you know the story of Ted Bundy, who is a serial killer rapist who came to Christ through James Dobson right before he was executed in a Florida prison. He described his life, and he said, you know, it began when I was a kid, fairly innocently, looking at pornography. And it became more and more addictive and took over more and more of my life. He said, until I needed more thrills. And so I needed more strange and peculiar pornography and then violent pornography. And then I needed to act out in rape and violent ways and finally murder. It destroyed his life. That is the nature of the path of the wicked. It's addictive. So the father says, don't even take the first step. Turn away. Go the other way. That's the place to cut it off. The path of the wicked is also all-consuming. Interesting the way the Father puts it here, verse 16 and 17. For they, the wicked, cannot sleep unless they do evil, and they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the wicked is all-consuming. You think... And we tend to think, well, you know what? I just want to give in to this this one time. I just want to ignore God. I know it's right, but I will just do this this once. And no one will know. It won't affect anybody else. And we take that step, and it begins to consume our lives. And the picture the Father gives is that it begins to consume even your sleep, even your eating, your drinking, even the mundane things of life get consumed by sin, by acting apart from God. So he says, it's all-consuming. Don't give into it. We think we can choose sin and then do damage control and it'll only affect our private life. No, it affects all areas of our lives. You choose it and it begins to affect the way you relate to other people. It begins to affect the way you do your work. It begins to consume your life and eat away at who you are. Jesus said... What's hidden in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. You just can't hide it because it becomes more and more obvious. And then finally, the path of the wicked does harm to others. We've talked a little bit about that, but in the end of verse 17 it says, they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The idea of violence is you do harm to other people. But notice it all begins by simply saying, God, I just don't know if I can trust you. I think I need, I need to feel good right now. I need to feel better. I'm confused. It's hard. Life's been too difficult. So I deserve to give in to this sin. Turning our backs on God, choosing to ignore what he says, he said, puts us on a path. We're taking a step on this path of the wicked. And it ends up doing harm to ourselves and to others. Now, let me say something here. There's people here, I know, this morning that are saying in their hearts, I've been on the wrong path. Uh, I've done that, and, and I feel trapped. 
Let me tell you that God is a miracle worker. We can't get ourselves off that path, but He, by His grace, can bring forgiveness and mercy and turn our lives around if we are willing to repent and completely turn away from that. And if you're in that place and you need help, there's many pastors on staff that are here to serve you. We can hook you up with Christian counselors. We have a lot of resources here. We would love to help you get off that path and back on the path of life. The passage ends, verse 18 and 19, with a conclusion laying out very clearly these are the only two ways of life. Either trusting Him or turning your back on Him and going your own way. He says this, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like the darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Imagine yourself, it's kind of dark out. And you're at a crossroads and you have two paths to take. And one looks like the easier path. It looks like the better path. It's downhill. It looks wider. It's well-worn. And everything in you says, that's the path I should go because that looks like the comfortable, easy path. And the other path is one that looks a little scarier. You're not sure where it leads. But it's the path that God is calling you on and says, follow me. This is the path of trust. Follow me. And what the Father is trying to help the Son see is when you have a choice, here's what will happen, Son. If you choose the path of life, if you choose to follow the Lord, as you walk that path, suddenly the darkness will get brighter and brighter and brighter. It's like the dawn dawning and suddenly everything's lit up and you can see further where you're going and you can see every obstacle that might be in your way and you begin to understand yourself and understand the world and see reality. So he says, son, stay on that path because the other path is a path that looks good but when you start walking on it, things get darker and darker. You get more confused, more foolish, And you start tripping over and your life begins to fall apart and it says you do not even know what you're tripping over. It's a path of destruction. So the father reminds the son, take the path of life, not the path of death. Some of you know the famous poem by Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. He says, I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. I know some of you are at a crossroads, struggling to follow God's way. Like the Father, I exhort you, choose the path of life. It will become clearer to you as you walk that path and God will be with you and he will strengthen you and he will bless you. A final word from Tony Snow. Through our trials, God bids us to choose. Do we believe or do we not? Will we be bold enough to love, daring enough to serve, humble enough to submit, and strong enough to acknowledge our limitations? Can we surrender our concern in things that don't matter so that we might devote our remaining days to things that do. Let's pray.
Lord, we confess that too often we think our way's better. Help us, Lord, to choose the path of life. May you be our trust, our security, our hope. And may we walk with you through this world of confusion and pain and difficulty. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.